Tanya for the 25th of Sivan, the first historian. The Simcha Bunim Abishischa had a waiting room and people would wait around in order to talk to him. And there were long lines of people and there were, there were his elderly disciples who would also spend time in that room. And one time, a very distinguished, but um, um, let's call non-Hasidic person came to talk to Simcha Bunim, but he looked so modern and so, um, you know, so different than the regular people that came to visit that the Hasidim started to, started to wonder what his agenda was. Usually people that, people that look like this modern that came to Simcha Bunim, usually it was to pester them to, to, to get a rise out of him to try to try and trouble him. And so they, they realized that this was probably the, this is probably his agenda. And so they started, they started making him feel very unwelcome. And while he was waiting for his turn, they made him feel so unwelcome. And at some point he just said, I guess, I guess, what can I do? I can't, I'll have to go ask, I'll have to go somewhere else instead to ask my question. And he was so mellow about it. And so, um, you know, so non-rude about it. That when he walked when he walked out of the room and out of the out of the building, they started wondering maybe maybe they had um, they had played around with the wrong person. Maybe this wasn't someone that came with an ulterior motive of trying to uh, annoy or bother the Rebbe. And so when the Rebbe came out, they told the Rebbe there was a man here, and we we assumed that he was here to bother you, but he left very peacefully. Was starting to wonder. As soon as the Rebbe heard this, the Rebbe was very very concerned, and the Rebbe said, "Go find him." And they they fanned out throughout the city trying to look for this man that that they had accidentally chased out or purposely chased out, and finally they found they found him by the highway, and they went to him and they apologized and they said, "Listen, come back to the rabbi. We didn't mean to to make you feel unwelcome. Come back." And so he came back, and he came to the rabbi. And they were all very curious to hear what what you know what his big question was, and he told the rabbi like this. He said, "I." I have two brides that I'm interested in. One is very beautiful, but doesn't have a good ancestry. And the other one has a good ancestry, but is not very beautiful. Which one should I pick? And they were horrified. They, they had gone all this effort to find someone, to find this person to bring him back. And the question he asked was bordering on ridiculous. And they were even more shocked when they were thinking about the question very deeply. And then finally told the man, go after beauty. And they were, they were absolutely shocked. This story was just so strange to them on so many levels. The man, uh, the man heard the answer and he left. And they turned to Simcha Bunim and they said, "What's going on? What, what, what's 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 the, what's the story here?" So he said like this. He said, "This Daichel, this this um, this uh, modern man, um, was asking me whether he well, he's ready to learn Kabbalah and he wants to know should he learn Kabbalah based on the Arizal or should he learn." based on the Ramak. The result being the one, the beautiful one, the Ramak being the one with, with ancestry. And I told him to go learn the Kabbalah based on the result. Beautiful story. It was obviously very clear from the story that this uh, modern looking man wasn't who he, had, who, who he, who he looked or who, who he appeared to be. The Tanya so far what we're dealing with is the second half of chapter seven, highly controversial, originally not part of the Tanya, but in the Rebbe Shab's 1900 printing of the Tanya, the Rebbe Shab put it back in. And I guess my understanding of it is that it be, no longer became so controversial, whether it became accepted or the Chabad movement in general became more accepted. And therefore, the Rebbe Shab felt that it was safe to return the second half of chapter seven into chapter seven. And this is a topic, topic of 
whether we take the Arizal's description of Simpson, of Hashem's contraction, do we take it literally that Hashem walked out of the room of, of this world, let's call it, or whether we take it figuratively that Hashem didn't literally walk out of the room, but that Hashem just enabled the possibility for there to be affinity, but Hashem is still very much present and everything in this world is still God and God is still everything in this world. That's the two sides of the coin. And the Altareb and the Bashemta take a very, very clear stance on that the Arizal's description of God's contraction, contracting his energy is not to be taken literally. The Altareb gave in yesterday's Tanya two reasonings behind it, intellectual reasonings. Today's, today's um, Tanya is going to be source-based, where the Altareb is going to say, well, if you don't trust me intellectually, at least, you know, here's some log- here's some actual proof in Kabbalah where you see straight up the Aris, the, the Rav Shem and the Zayha believes strongly that Hashem is everything, everything as Hashem, and there is, Hashem did not pull himself back out literally from this world in order to create this world and make it fine. This is written in the Tikkunim. Tikkun Nun Zayin. The less asa upon him we nay, It says, there is no place that's empty of Hashem, not in the higher worlds and not in the lower worlds. So you see in Tikkun Tikkune Zayah, Hashem is to be found everywhere. If you were to take the Arizal literally, that Hashem pulled himself out of the place of this world, well, that would mean that Hashem is not in this world. And the Zion makes it very clear, Hashem is absolutely everywhere in the high worlds and the lower worlds. Another section, another quote in the Zion, a different section, a section called Raya Mehemna. The Raya Mehemna incidentally was, was told by, taught by Moshe Rabbeinu in Hashem Vayachai's academy. Over Raya Mehemna Pashas Pinchas. In Raya Mehemna Pashas Pinchas, the Zion says like this, Hashem grabs everything and nothing can grab Hashem. He was saved called Amnash and surrounds all the walls. And again, not a great translation. And there's nothing that goes out of Hashem's, out of Hashem's um, domain, out of Hashem's area. Hashem binds and feels, binds and unites all the things different types with a type in the upper walls and the lowers, less curva with Dalits, and there's no closeness in all four of the elements. Ella Kad except that Hashem that's within them all. Which means simply put, Hashem is to be found absolutely everywhere, inside everything, in the higher worlds and the lower worlds. No one can understand Hashem and no one could grasp Hashem. This is the this is the language of the Zaya. So the Zaya makes it abundantly clear that Hashem is absolutely everything. Everything is Hashem. And the author is going to explain, what does this mean? Let's man the top of Spain, that no one could grab Hashem, grasp Hashem, intellectually understand. Hashem is unable to be understood. Hashem is... There's no thought that could grasp Hashem. But also, if you look at it carefully, there's no thought that could grasp Hashem, which means there's no thought outside Hashem. Hashem doesn't have Hashem and his thoughts. This is how we got into this whole topic at the beginning of chapter 7. There's not Hashem and his thoughts. Like with human beings, you know, there's me and there's my thoughts. And as I become smarter, I gather more thoughts and more ideas. And then, you know, there's me with a mountain of ideas on top of my head. No, Hashem and his thoughts are entirely one. Therefore, none of Hashem's thoughts are graspable because they're united with Hashem. 
וגם בתחתונים, אם נבנה לא וולט, אף אגב באמא מלכה, אם נבנה שם פירוס לא וולט, אין נקנישים של אדם תוך גופי. זה לא כמו סול אוף הפרסון, סול אוף הפרסון נמצא בבודי של הפרסון, שהיא נתפס תוך הגוף, עד שנסבלת, מקבלת שינוי משינוי, הקופה צעדה, והכויס, הקריאות, וחמים את האש וכיוצר. When a soul is inside of a body, a soul, in spite of the fact that, as we mentioned so, many times and earlier on in the Tanya, that a soul is so far beyond the pale of the body. Nonetheless, the soul is impacted by the body. The body hurts. The soul has some form of pain. The soul feels the agony of the body. Cold, hot, emotional, ups and emotional downs. The soul is impacted by this. But Hashem is not impacted by this world. Hashem isn't impacted by, by heat or, or frost or day or night. Hashem is absolutely unaffected. Hashem never, never changed from the beginning of the, before the creation of the world to after the creation of the world. Hashem is entirely the same. Like it's written in the even darkness doesn't make doesn't get in the way doesn't make darkness for you and the night is like is bright like the day Hashem is not grabbed by the world so in summary what are we saying in today's time we're quoting a Zoya and the Zoya is making it absolutely abundantly clear that Hashem fills the world. Hashem is not impacted by the world in the slightest. Everything is God, and God is everything. And that Hashem and Hashem's thoughts are not separate, but entirely unified. In other words, what's today's Tanya proving? Today's Tanya is proving that when we learn that when we learn that Arizal, and Arizal says that Hashem removed himself from a place in order to create limitation of physicality and 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 um, affinity in this in this world it doesn't literally mean that god stepped out of this area of this world but it means that god made the ability but hashem is still very much ever present in this world and everything in this world is god and god is everything thank you so much for joining